you're old as hell and you're still scared. Well, that whole scene kind of, you can hear that. That whole scene, you can hear the straw. Well, that whole scene is like. Welcome back to Shaken Not Scared Podcast. You're here with Eric and Vivi. This is episode four. We'll be covering Night of Living Dead from 1968 of George A. Romero. Of George A. Romero. Yeah. His birth child. <laughs> well, if you want to call dead people his birth children, that's pretty deep. <laughs> that's not bad. <laughs> that's pretty disturbing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, yeah. <laughs> How are you this fine evening? Good. We went to the store. We got things to get ready for today. It's over 40 degrees here. It's exciting. We were it's basically to... summer. <laughs> we were supposed to start at 12. It's 8.15. 8 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess full disclosure on that last episode, we were recording at like 2 a.m. and we had to edit like two hours worth of material because... Just... It was truly just like white noise because we weren't <laughs> saying anything. Maybe t- took a bathroom break in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> I might take a bathroom break in the middle of this one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so this week we'll be talking about Night of the Living Dead. One of the first, if not the first, zombie movie. Yeah, and it's not even officially called zombies. They are not called zombies at all yeah. during the movie. I think I was, they're called ghouls, actually. Yeah, I was supposed to look up when the actual first use of the word zombie was, uh, but I didn't. So do you wanna, look it up. Do you want to look it up now? Oh, I can. Brief intermission. Okay, so the first use of the word zombie was in 1819 in a history of Brazil by the poet Robert Suthi in the form of zombie spelled Z-O-M-B-I. When was it first used in a movie genre setting, though? First appearance occurred in the, the interwebs, uh, Wikipedia specifically, <laughs> says that the first appearance of a zombie was in Night of Living Dead. But so they didn't say zombie. They didn't, but I'm assuming that because the definition is undead. Undead. That it's, yeah. That it's Fair enough. First use, but according to the Oxford English Dictionary, it's given the word its origin as West African and compares it to the Congo words in zombie, which means God and zombie fetish. So God fetish? Maybe. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Is it because of like offerings to gods and so you sacrifice people, the dead, to the gods? I think we are not the qualified people to <laughs> to answer that. It seems like it's going to take more research. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're interested in where the first appearance of the word zombie came from i guess do your own research but this is the figure first, it out yourself <laughs> yeah this is the first not why we're here of, <laughs> this is the first appearance of zon or the undead in a movie so um, um do you want to talk about the cocktail that we picked for this week yes i want to complain about it why because you specifically requested this drink i've been requesting this drink for months for, for years <laughs> actually it it was hard to find a simple recipe for and I don't even think that I got, like, the best recipe. I think I just went for the simplest with the easiest ingredients we could find. It's called the zombie. It's a tiki drink if you want to go ahead and take a sip. Yeah. The first I, time we ever – well, I had ever heard of this drink was at a Dave & Buster's when Bibi and I were on a date. And it tasted like – if you've ever gone to Six Flags, I told her this analogy that day and she has absolutely no idea what I mean. But <laughs> it tastes like when you go to Six Flags and you taste the torches during uh, Fright Fest. You can like smell the torches. Are you just trying to eat actual fire? torches? <laughs> well, you know how like taste and smell are associated. It's almost like the what what the smell of the torches would taste like is what that drink tasted like in Dave and Buster's. But the nostalgia of Six Flags and Fright Fest made me love it. So I I don't remember what it tasted like honestly. I just remember it tasted like torch. 
fire. <laughs> well, I, I didn't put torch fire in it. Oh, I'm no. Sorry. I'm going to hate it. Yeah, you probably are, honestly, because I'm surprised you requested this because there's like a lot of sweet ingredients. If you want to look up a better recipe, go ahead. But essentially, it takes two types of rum. This, I can't even pronounce this, velvet feral rum. Farallum. Uh-huh. Oh, that uh, green bottle. Velvet bought. liqueur. It's velvet liqueur, yeah. apparently. Um, one ounce of cinnamon syrup, pineapple juice, orange juice, lime juice, and grenadine. Uh, mix it up, shake it in your shaker, and pour over ice. Nice. Tell me what you think. Me? Yeah. Oh, one sec. Well, it doesn't taste like torch fire. It's actually not what I thought it would taste like. I knew you weren't going to like it. That's why I'm upset. No, I don't. I don't hate it. It does taste like a tiki drink, though. It's like what I would imagine okay. a tiki drink would taste like. Yeah, it tastes tropical in a way. What uh, do you think? I don't love it because of the type of grenadine I use. The type of grenadine that I have is like it's like the basic one that you could find at any store. It's like that super radioactive red bottle, and it makes a lot of stuff taste like cough syrupy. Mm. So this tastes cough syrupy to me. Really? I don't yeah. get cough syrup. I get like, does it have any pineapple in it? Yeah, pineapple juice. Yeah. <laughs> As if it has pineapple in it. You know, mm-hmm. like, it literally has pineapple juice. I literally in it. just read the ingredients. <laughs> Way to pay attention. I was just prepared for some torch fire. <laughs> no, yeah, it is good though. It's definitely a tiki drink. <laughs> what would you rate it? Um, I'd rate it. I'd rate it a three and a half out of five. I think I'd you? rate it a two because I've made better tiki drinks. Really? I like pineapple, so this is very pineapple-y if that's your jam. So that's good. Try it out. When you get a chance. Or don't, because it's a lot of ingredients and not worth the pay. Or look up a better recipe. Yeah. I wonder what those other ones taste like, if those have the torch fire taste. This one definitely doesn't taste like the one we tried at David Buster's, so I imagine that there's No, there's like really so. fancy ingredients that I just could not even imagine where we would find yeah. in some of the recipes I found. So, again, I went with the easiest one. Sweet. All right. So, do you want me to hit you with some facts? No, I'm going to give you a summary. Oh, okay. It's usually how we do things oh, okay. here, right? <laughs> Yes. Okay. So this time I'm going to read you a summary from IMDb, and it's probably my favorite summary because it's like one sentence. (laughs) It says, the radiation from a fallen satellite causes the recently deceased to rise from the grave and seek the living to use as food. That's it. Oh, great. Love that. An adventure to find food. It's just sweet and to the point. Yeah. Yeah, That's basically what the movie is. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like that. So then do you want... Okay, now you can give me fun facts. Okay, do you want fun facts now? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, fun facts I've got are all coming from didyouknowfacts.com. So, first one I've got is three people set themselves on fire during the making of the movie. That's fun. That's probably not common yet. Now it's super common. Well, two of them were on purpose. Two of of them were on purpose. The uh, two actors who were playing ghouls in this movie volunteered to make the zombie attack scenes more realistic. So they said, yeah, we'll we'll let ourselves on fire. The third one, though, was apparently uh, a man named Gary Strainer from the crew had added more fuel to a chair on set to light it on fire later. Apparently, some of the embers got into his fuel can and it lit and set him on fire. So that was an accident. And Apparently, he wasn't seriously filming. Injured. Well, I don't, I don't know that it, that was on film, but <laughs> I mean, he was a cast or not a cast member. He was a crew member, so yeah. I don't think he was like seen and on fire. And do you think he <laughs> just caught fire? And they're like, record that, record that, <laughs> put it on film, put it on film. Yeah, yeah no, I don't know. Uh, apparently, he wasn't injured though. So those of you who think maybe he's dead now, no, he's not. He came back from the dead. So. Bum bum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second fact I've got is that Romero was heavily inspired by the novel I Am Legend. So if you haven't seen I Am Legend, uh, it's actually originally or read written. It. Yeah, it's originally written by Richard Matheson. 
Um, it's about a post-apocalyptic world where there's not not exactly zombies either. They're infected. And uh, But anyway, that inspired him to write this movie. After having also kind of been inspired by himself, uh, Johnny Russo and Rudy Rucci, who was an actor, they <laughs> Russo had originally pitched for the film to be about teenage aliens wreaking havoc on Earth with a pet from outer space. They said that the budget wouldn't kind of cut it for that kind of film. So <laughs> they ended up going, uh, Russell ended up saying, well, what if we make it about a guy or a kid who runs into a field and finds a bunch of like dead people under uh, glass and they're there because they're getting ready to be eaten by aliens. And so Romero was like, I like the dead bodies part and took that and ran with it. So we have along we have with now. being inspired by I Am Legend. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that inspired him. It's pretty interesting. He, he hated the alien idea, but. I guess if you, as we talk about it, there is kind of like a, almost like a hint at aliens being the reason these schools exist. And not aliens, really, but space. Science. Yeah. <laughs> space. Science is the reason for everything. <laughs> Isn't it always? <laughs> uh, I have an additional fact, but I think I'll bring that up towards the end when we get to a specific topic. Sounds good. The ending, specifically. Uh, but no, I love zombie films. So yeah, this if this is the one that kicked it off, it's uh, I give it all my... My uh, my love, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Do you want so you to... like it then too? I do. I again, I watched it a couple years ago for the first time, and it's like very clearly the one that started off this genre because, as we'll talk about it, it has tropes in there mm-hmm. <laughs> where it becomes like staples of every zombie movie. Yeah, for sure. No, oh, yeah, it's hard to watch this without thinking of every other movie that yeah. you've seen of the zombie topic. Yeah. Do you want to jump into it then? Yeah, let's get started. Okay, so first take. First off, we see a car down a winding road, and it's Barbara and Johnny. Mm-hmm. And they're going to visit their father's grave, and Johnny's really not happy about it. He's just making it seem like the worst chore in the world. Well, because their mom's like, go drive out six hours from here and drop this cross thing off. And I was thinking about, like, why would you bury your loved one so far away? And if she makes them do it, I think they're complaining because she can't. And they're like, if she's going to make us bury her over here, too, why wouldn't she just move out here? They finally get to the cemetery. Yeah. And And the whole time he's very cynical because Barbara, like, goes to pray for a minute. And he's like, ugh, we did what we had to. Let's just leave. Praying's for church. Let's go. Yeah. And she's like, you don't even go to church. And in the law of horror movies, that means he must die. Oh, yeah. Which happens almost immediately. Yeah. What I was going to say is that it's cool that it's in a cemetery because you do see the the man in the background who the way that they kind of show him in the background almost seems like he would. He's just he's a like mourner. Keeper or, yeah. or the keeper of the, of the place. Right. Um, he's not walking weird or anything. He's just walking like he's a just in dude. the distance. And they're like, that's cool. Yeah. So Johnny starts to mess with Barbara and they start bringing up stuff from when they were kids. Yeah, about how they used to visit the cemetery when they were kids and he would scare her and she's like kind of like cut it out and he's like, you're still scared. Well, that whole scene is like super kiddish because she's acting like, oh, no, please stop. And he's like, ah, he's got these gloves on. It's very brother and sister. It's like no matter what age you are, you're always messing with your siblings kind of scene. He uh, basically points out the man who's been walking in the background. They're coming to get you, Barbara, which is a very famous line. Yeah, so they finally run into the guy, and Johnny's kind of running a little bit ahead, and Barbara's... Later she says that she's going to say sorry to him, but the way she approaches him is not 
hey, hey, I'm implies sorry. that she's yeah. like walking past him all like awkward, Ugh. yeah, scared of him, and he just lunges at her, and she's like, "What the heck's happening?" Johnny goes to save her, and then Johnny and the un- well, the guy, because at this point we don't know, you don't know. Then, yeah, uh, start having like a tussle and whatever, and and Barbara's like screaming, and uh, Johnny gets knocked out or dead. They don't really like say anything. And I, I was gonna- would think that it implies that he's dead because he hits his head on tombstone. He does, but like I, I don't know, I didn't get that. From and that then scene because even having seen this or watched this as like a, this is the first time I'm watching it the way that Barbara just runs away and doesn't even give a shit that <laughs> that he's passed out well he's been a dick she just like runs away because the guy is like chasing after her or whatever mm-hmm. and um so that you know she's running she goes back to the car the guy chases after her and what I wanted to point out was that the undead when you think of undead you don't usually think of them having any sort of intelligence oh yeah and, I wrote that down uh, too typically in these movies they're not like made to seem like they're thinking or smart in any way but these undead do and like the first scene we have of that is when Barbara does get into the car to try and drive away the dude picks up a rock and throws it at the car to break mm-hmm. in and it always like huh you don't see that in many zombie movies after they, they do it throughout the movie where the, the undead kind of like do things that they're aren't cognitive. necessarily yeah. dumb right like you think of the walking dead zombies they just kind of like walk into dumb. doors yeah. and then it gets open because of the sheer amount of zombies going into one direction. It's not because someone has figured out how to open a door. Yeah. And this one, they're like pulling boards away. They, one of them grabs like rocks to throw, throw yeah. at the lights and things like that. But yeah, I think, I think it was interesting that they have intelligence at this point. But then Barbara driving much like how I drive. And not undead. What does that have to do with how I drive? <laughs> Crashes into a tree slowly. <laughs> she does. And she's like, the, the car is trashed. My thing. Yeah, away. exactly. My thing is the car is not wrecked at all. She probably could have still driven. Yeah, it's like a little dent on the front left of the car. Just, <laughs> she the just tires are still fine. It. The engine's not even like smoking. She just runs away. I would like to point out that when she's running away, she loses her high heels, which is actually realistic. Were they high heels? Because later when Ben brings them up, I thought they were just like slip-ins. Like no, he shoes. gets her chunk glass that oh, he found in the house. Oh, is that what he found? Okay, <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I was like, how did he get her shoes from outside? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes she's sense. She's running and her heels are coming off. Cinderella like, story. That's really realistic, unlike a lot of movies now. <laughs> um, Barbara is running and then she kind of comes across this house that is out like again country type rural 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 area (laughs) (laughs) yeah and she just kind of checks it and it's open and she like she didn't even check it i think the door was already open just unlocked she just runs in and closes the behind her but it doesn't look like anybody's home she goes straight to the kitchen gets a knife and she's kind of just like freaked out sneaking around the house trying to see if there's anyone inside freaked out uh the house appears empty but it, it does kind of show hints of like there was a struggle here mm-hmm. or there's something like a base on the floor yeah and then she walks into one room full of like taxidermy animals and it's like creepy music and i'm like yeah the headroom i agree <laughs> that's creepy yeah and she's just freaking out and kind of has like no sense of what's going on and I more... heard she, that's her thing the whole movie it honestly. really is though <laughs> i don't appreciate it she realizes that there's a dead body at the top of the stairs and sees the the first scene we see of someone having been killed by the undead. So she runs back down and I think that's when we see Ben, right? Is that when we see Ben yeah, finally? Yeah, Ben, um, she runs outside and there's like these blaring lights from a truck and it's Ben and he's running that's towards right. her like, get back in the house. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And closes the door behind them. I thought, it was, it up. I thought it was interesting that she runs outside and then is blinded by the lights because right before that we had seen also that room with the, the animals, right? And so, do you think it's any... I mean, maybe this is too deep, but do you think the symbolism is that she's caught in this situation like a deer in headlights? Uh, that could 
I would not say that's too deep. That's you know pretty I mean? accurate. Yeah, because she she comes out and she's like, ah, blinded it, and Ben like grabs her. And honestly, Ben is the one that like brings her anywhere near her senses throughout the rest of the movie. And at this point in the movie, you really don't know what's happening, right? The no. guy who was the undead, he looked fairly normal. And I don't know if it's because it's in black and white, right? He does that look it, a little off. They make him look like a little worn down. Yeah, it do, but like it's super it hard do. to see in black. Huh? Yeah. It it's super hard to see in, in black and white. When you think of like those movies now, it's obvious because they're either like they're either dead or you could see like the deterioration. It's in a here. far cry from the zombies that we see now that there's like missing chunks of flesh and they're like their greasy and nasty. Yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah, we get we get Ben who has finally brought her in and he seems to know what's going on. He's kind of like ben, flustered. I would like to say Ben is the character that has seen a zombie fo- film because <laughs> he knows what to do when nobody else knows That's what to do. That's for sure. And I, I'll, he is like hardwired for survival. And I wonder if it has something to do with him being the only black character in this film. Yeah, that's for sure. I would also like to point out that that is a super interesting choice for this era in mm-hmm. time. That the main character is black. And he's the hero. And he's the protagonist. And the only one with God-given sense. I wonder how it was at the time to be cheering for this man mm-hmm. as like the nation's going through like this really tumultuous time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the ending is so crappy right when you as the watcher are rooting for this hero and yeah almost you're almost rooting more because he is black right you don't see black heroes in american movies at least especially in 1968 not in this time that the ending is like oh really but my third fact which i'll bring up later answers that from the actor's perspective interesting yeah, okay so yeah i'm curious to know like we are not again qualified to talk about this but analyzing this film from a racial perspective has to be very interesting and rich i'm sure there's a lot of like turmoil and debate that could be said about the way that well it's kind of like he's treated yes it's kind of like hinted at with the way the characters interact with him Mm -hmm. even in this like apocalyptic end of the world situation yeah yeah 1968 mainly dealing with mr cooper who sucks even the undead i don't know if you noticed this but ben is literally literally the the only only one the sheriff the people on tv like broadcasting none of the the undead undead, no one's black he is literally the only black person four miles in this film yeah so he it's i don't know i thought it was really cool that they chose him to be the, the hero for the movie so anyway yeah he knows what's what's been happening he he comes in he's like Telling her, like, board up the windows, board up the, the doors, we need to find material. He's looking through the jar. Like, he, I, I thought it was interesting to, to think about him, like, going to this house. And at the time, too, because it's in a rural area, that it's easy to go into a house and say, let's find wood, let's find nails, let's find screws. I was about to say that. If you're ever, personally, in a zombie apocalypse, go look for a farmhouse. It has your best shot at survival. Yeah, that's for sure. And if you're in the city, you're kind of screwed. You're fucked. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think we get to the point where they're boarding up the place yet. Um, he goes into this house and is kind of looking to see how many have, have followed her. And yeah. she's like, what's happening? He's being followed by two. Barb um, is completely catatonic and useless at this she is. point. She's, she's super loopy. Traumatized. For sure. She's in shock completely. Yeah, she's not adding any value to anything that... She, for, this I man think- is trying to talk to her, get some information, tell her some information, and she's, like, not talking at first, and then just starts screaming at him while he's trying to get stuff done. Yeah, that was later when they finally do get overwhelmed by the number of undead that are outside. Um, but he... Okay, so he asks her how many he she has seen. She says, you know, she was chased Nothing. by one dude or whatever. 
She doesn't say anything for a long time. Yeah, but he's he keeps asking her, like, how many have chased you? How many how many have you seen? And there are two that you see in the outside that are following him. Mm-hmm. And so when he's trying to get info from her, you get the scenes where the undead are throwing rocks at the lights on his car. Yeah, they're trying to take out the lights on his car. And I thought that was an, an odd take on undead too, right? Like That, that they they're bothered light. by the light? Yeah, it gave it's me... It's very strange, yeah. Light and fire. Very vampire-esque. Oh, I thought of the Frankenstein monster. That too. It's very Frankenstein-esque, especially later scenes where they're actually setting them on fire. Yeah, it's like they're... Uh, like Even their vibe, the way that they back away, it's almost like the Frankenstein monster in that movie. They're backing away from fire and they're afraid, but they can throw rocks at things. Like it's it's interesting that they're that this is the take on the undead. Aware. Yeah, well, that this is the the take on the undead. I I I didn't remember this part of this movie. It could be because they are recently undead. I Their think they make not. a point where it's like they were people in morgues. Like unburied, like they weren't buried mm. yet. So their eyes are risen. sensitive to light and things like that. Possibly. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah. So uh, once in the once in the house, when uh, when Ben realizes that they've been um, just Followed. like trying to destroy his car, he goes outside and he's like, "I'm gonna take care of the ones outside." He kind of like moves her out the way because she's useless at this point. She's kind of just in shock. He goes out, gets one of those like wheel lock removers from the car, starts just beating the crap out of them. One gets in through the back door. But Barbara does not realize that because no. she's in a whole state. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he kind of pushes her away and takes care of that last one. That's when he decides we need to board this place up and then starts looking for things throughout the house. So, yeah, that's that's when I realized, like, it'd be just so hard, I think, to, to protect yourself anywhere that's not so resource rich in this sense, yeah. right? Where there's wood just laying around. I mean, he literally, like, goes to shelves and, like, looks at the bottom shelf and he sees the planks. Just sitting there. I mean, he, at one point, he pulls one plank off, and there's, like, a stack of planks at the bottom yeah. of the shelf. How convenient. One thing that I thought was a really good idea, and I hadn't even thought of this, too, was that he takes doors that are inside, like, the inside mm-hmm. doors off their hinges and uses them to cover the doors. And uh, then that's you, great. You get the ominous music for the cellar door, because something's down there, but you don't know that yet. This was after he knocks her out. <laughs> yes. Because he, she's, like, passed out on the couch. So um, I guess we should back, backtrack here because he's starting to board up the house and telling her to make herself useful. And That's when we get his story. His story of like what's happened. And I, I pointed this out that this is an older movie, so this movie can kind of get away with this form of storytelling where you don't actually see the scene. Yeah, but I think now, if you were to do this, people would be like, just show a flashback, show the scene. He's telling his crazy story. And then this is kind of when Barbara finally wakes up and is like... I- I do want to point something out in the story, though. So he mentions that he was living in this diner, and he says that he sees a gas truck uh, on fire driving away. Yeah. And 15 to 20 of these things are chasing it. And he says that he was watching it. It went it went straight into a gas station, ran over a pump, and it, he was thinking it was going to explode. And uh, he looked back to the diner to see if anyone in the diner could, could help. And he said that by that time, the place was engulfed and covered. He couldn't hear screams or anything like that. Yeah. So the first thing he could think to do was to run to one of the trucks and drive through them. He's like, they were flying off the side of the car like flies. He said that they just So he's also seen them. some super traumatic stuff, and he's not as catatonic as Barbara. Because this is when she explodes. This is where you were going to say that she explodes Yeah, she Johnny. pretty much just, like, kind of jumps back to the last cohesive thought she's had. And she's like, oh, my God, my brother, we were in the cemetery. We have to save him. And, like, I think it's kind of funny that Ben is giving his whole story, and she's just quiet. 
and listening, but then she starts telling her story, and Ben is having none of it. <laughs> he's not impressed. No, because, and I, I I get it, right? Because she's like, my brother, he's dead, after we've just seen her run away and not really go check out how he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she says that, and he, like, while she's trying to tell him about Johnny, he's like, She's like, to, you have to help me. He's starting to try to continue to board stuff up, and I think after you've literally just told somebody, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but if you've you literally just told somebody that you drove through a crowd of people flying off the side of your car like flies, I don't think one dead person's going to be as impacting to your psyche, like your mental state as I this, disagree. Right? Do you really? I disagree completely. He literally because was it was like, her brother. <laughs> it was her brother. To he him, they were strangers. Okay, but so you're going to say that driving through a crowd of people I will people drive is through a hundred people. Just kidding. I can't drive. <laughs> <laughs> you already have driven through I've driven through. No, stop. Because you can't drive. <laughs> Do not say that. No, I, I kind of... I'd say it's more traumatic to drive through a crowd of people than to Than say, to lose your brother. I understand. Like, I'm not saying that's not impactful. But it's as a out like from an outside. You're saying point of view, like, oh, I had to drive through. Like, I had people. to kill a ton of people, and I don't even know what's happening. And you're talking about your one dead brother that you left behind. Like, I think you're just judging Barbara yeah. a little bit. No, <laughs> no, Barbara needed to go save her brother, and she didn't, and so she feels remorse. And, and it's clear. I mean, she she starts panicking and is like fighting him. She starts to like, try to like wrestle him to go outside. That's when she slaps him, and he punches the shit out of her. <laughs> he really does. Just go a little extra with that punch. He did. But yeah, she's going crazy and like not in her senses. And, and the moment he punches her is kind of funny because it pauses. The movie she slaps. She's kind of like, oh like, my what? god, <laughs> you just hit me, and then she passes out in his arms. Yeah, that's the the music change. It's very dramatic. It is super dramatic. <laughs> so he lays her down, and then that's this is when uh, I figured I wrote down like this is when he decides I can actually get stuff done around the house because she's not in the way. He like starts boarding up things uh, all over the windows, all over the doors. He takes the doors. You get the nails. You, you know, he's he's doing his thing, and he goes upstairs while he's doing this. He also turns on the radio, and it's kind of the first hint that we get that something's going on because they're talking about. I believe the announcer called it. What did he call it? A oh, a sudden explosion of mass murder. What a way to describe something. Yeah, the radio reports interesting to me because throughout the movie you get the radio reports, you get the TV reports, and it's interesting to see. It's almost like, uh, do you remember War of the Worlds? And you get that radio at the, the original. I've never telling. seen War of the Worlds. Not the movie, but the the original radio broadcast. Story. Oh, the original that made people freak out and <laughs> In kill real themselves. Life. Yeah, that's the kind of vibe that I get from this. Right, is that it's a it's almost like that played out for real um only in world of worlds it's aliens here it's the undead but you start to get these slow and short reports of you know hey suddenly people are killing each other and there's no reason why they call it uh mass homicide and they call the people assassins and they say it's random there's no patterns to it that the people are in a trans and they appear to be ordinary people so there's like no way to know how to protect yourself that this, people seem almost like they're in a trance, too. Yes. Yeah. So they're unable to tell who's killing. The The National Guard is potentially going to be contacted to be deployed, but they still don't know if it's that serious. I'm like, man, if people are just randomly killing people If you call something nowhere, a mass... Hysteria. <laughs> no, not mass. What was it? God damn it. A mass homicide? But they said it in a specific way. That sounded so much more dramatic. I wrote down mass homicide. They did say that. They but did. The, the way you said it was... Explosion of mass murder. Mm. If you're describing something like that, I think you call the National Guard <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, crazy to hear the radio. Um, when he pulls on the TV later, I didn't even realize they had a TV. I thought, that, I thought the reason they had a radio was because Well, the TV I believe in the there. 1960s, um, televisions were still very expensive. 
So yeah, like, this house in the middle of nowhere had one. Well, it had a small one, so radio was still more commonplace, and I think only people with like some saved up money could afford even small televisions. Yeah, yeah. So he I don't gets... know though, because isn't the fifties the era of like the boom of televisions? I think so. Yeah, so probably have to fact check that. Yeah, it doesn't sound right, but. Yeah, so the radio broadcast continues. It's giving a lot of info. Barbara's passed out. Yeah, we still get Ben kind of boarding up the house and stuff like that. They even talk about how people have been uh, kind of like swarming churches, government buildings, and schools for shelter. Which is, as a a zombie movie watcher and fan, the opposite of what you should do is go into large places where a ton of people are going to (laughs) be. But it's funny. It's interesting to to watch this movie at this time, right? Where we do turn to government entities and they are completely unprepared and have no answers. It's very realistic to like what's kind of currently going on. Yeah, with the pandemic. Later, I was going to say there's a point where they tell everybody to stay home or if they're at work, stay at work. Yeah. And it's uh, definitely giving us some Pandora vibes. Pandora. Yeah. (laughs) That works because Pandora is also like a streaming site for podcasts. Pandemic vibes. Hold on. We got to think of the middle of a panini press. Did we use that one yet? (laughs) No. (laughs) Last time I think he used uh, Panera Bread. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so so this radio broadcast is going on. He's going through the house. He finally goes upstairs, sees the body that Barbara saw earlier, moves her away. Yeah. Uh, he finds a gun in the closet, so that's essential. It's obviously like a moment that everyone's like, ooh, yes, a gun to protect them. Anyway, Barbara wakes up later, and he uh, tells her that they've got everything that they need. He even gives her those shoes you were talking about earlier. He's yeah. like, we've got a gun, we've got food, we've got shelter, we've got a radio. We're going to stay here and wait it out until we get help. And then Barbara's still pretty loopy. She's yeah. kind of just listening to him and is like still just there. And the radio, I think, continues at this point. And yes. they bring up that. This is our are... first hint of cannibalism. Yes. Yeah, That's they, what I was going to point out. They bring out that the killers are eating people. And, and they, they mentioned like... it like four times, <laughs> which I get is shocking when this is the first type of movie like that. But as a viewer, many, many years later with many, many, many more zombie movies, you're like, we get it. Uh, I guess, so you just reminded me, there's one thing that I think uh, is interesting with the radio, is that in the beginning of the movie, when Johnny and Barbara are getting off at the cemetery, the reports are already kind of starting at that time. Yeah, but Johnny shuts it off. Yeah, and I think that that's a trope in movies as well, uh, that when something bad is going on and the media is about to tell you what's happening, that the characters will turn it off right before anything is said and they're oblivious to what's about to go down. So when when you hear these radio broadcasts or these TV broadcasts, I think they're more impactful when you finally hear what's happening. In this case, that the killers are eating people, is that everyone's face is like, what? And it's funny to just know that earlier. But the characters aren't like really reacting. They're just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, Ben's already had to deal with them some he's injuries. pretty much known at this point yeah so we get the two dudes to show up yeah so back to the ominous music in the cellar <laughs> after all this has calmed down and he's finally boarded up the house these two men just burst out from the cellar door and ben literally says probably what the entire audience is thinking of you've been down there this whole time <laughs> yeah and their story doesn't check out at all because they're like we didn't hear you and he's like what do you mean she's screaming and he's like yeah well we heard screaming but it could have been them. It could have been them. And he's like, wait, so you just said you didn't hear them. And he's like, make up your mind. I mean, Ben literally is like, make up your mind yeah. on what you're saying. Cause ben is having none of their shit. Yeah, he's he's uh, freaking out because these people have been here this whole time. Uh, the one so, guy seems kind of like reasonable, but the Mr. Cooper, which is the guy we'll talk about in a bit, he's a shitty yeah, guy. Yeah, so it's Tom and Mr. Cooper that come up. Whose ha- name is Henry? 
Henry Cooper, yes. Yeah. And then they have this whole argument with Ben. And basically it turns into an argument of whether they should stay in the cellar or stay in the house but board it up securely. So I was going to ask think? you. Oh, I was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Ben because, and it's a point that's later brought up by Tom, there's no point of exit in the cellar. Mm-hmm. So say you do get trapped down there, you you are trapped down there. Yeah. There's no way to escape. There's no back door. If you re- need to retreat there, I guess. Yeah, no, I that's agree. That's my point. I agree um, with Ben, too. I, I think the Mr. Cooper's idea, It's like I see benefit to it, but the point is that if they do overpower the one entry, his point this whole time is like, but there's only one entrance, and we could board up the entrance and defend ourselves from that one point. And then Tom later is like, nah, man, it's like a, it's like a, a, a trap. A death trap. A death yeah. trap, yeah. There's no, once they get in, then what do you do? There's no way out. Um, so I agree with Ben. And while this is happening, um, the zombies start to break through the boarded up windows. And um, Ben and Tom start what I like to call zombie whack-a-mole on the arms. Yeah, with the, creatures. With the knife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's when we also get the first point where Ben realizes that gunshots don't work on them. Well, because unless... he's shooting them in the chest and stuff. And he shoots them like twice. And, not- and twice is when the zombie goes down. No, three times. So the so he shoots the zombie twice in the chest. And it isn't until he shoots it the third time in the head that the zombie goes down. Or the undead goes down. The ghoul. And I had written down that this is the point where Ben realizes that headshots is what kills them. But later he's shooting them in the body again. So I don't think he, re- I don't think he realized that that's what, why it died. Yeah, he probably just thinks it takes multiple. Mm-hmm. So when they're doing this, the house is being overwhelmed. I would like to point out... One naked zombie. Butts. Just like, what were you doing at that? That is so unfortunate. You're in your shower. Yeah. <laughs> Please at least murder me while I'm fully dressed. Thank you. Well, how do you know? Just always stay fully dressed. <laughs> be dressed in the shower. Just just in case the zombie apocalypse happens. Just in case. <laughs> you don't want to be caught exposed and dead. Yeah. My <laughs> next point was going to be that while this is happening, afterwards, Ben's just kind of a no-nonsense person. But it seems like Mr. Cooper and him have this weird alpha male dynamic going on, which I'm just like, there is no time for that right now. And that's literally what gets people killed in zombie movies. Yeah, the their dynamic and, and the whole time is like, who's going to say what the Be plan in charge. is? Yeah. And um, Tom's just kind of like trying to keep the peace. There's a point where, uh, and again, it being 1968, I think this is why, right? But uh, there's a point where Tom, Tom is kind of like the peacekeeper between Ben and Mr. Cooper. Because Mr. Cooper wants to do what he wants to do. Ben wants to do what he wants to do. And Tom is like, if we can, the three of us work together, we'll probably be able to survive this. And when he says the three of us, I mean, there's Tom's girlfriend, uh, Judy. Barbara's there. Helen, which is Mr. Cooper's wife, is there. Why would he just say the three of us? Karen? Karen's the little girl. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, the kid's like knocked out, though. Yeah, the entire I didn't think of her at all. (laughs) Uh, But the point that he's like, if the three of us work together, the fact that he says the three of us and disregards like the girls. I would disregard Barbara because she's pretty much useless. I mean, yes, Barbara, but But Helen and Judy seem pretty capable. Yeah, Yeah. to to help out and, and board things up. So I think it's interesting. He just says the three of us again i think for the time part of the like undercurrent of this is is that mr cooper does not want to take orders from a black man Mm -hmm. you get that vibe yeah that's for sure he's uh chaotic and is even the way because he's trying to say ben is crazy ben is crazy ben is crazy he Even his wife can't stand him. No, she, she go, he goes downstairs. Because he literally goes downstairs and is like, they're going to see I'm right. And she's like, because that's what matters, that you're right. Yeah, she does all these backhanded comments at him. <laughs> you can see it in her face, but he can't she see it. She fucking hates her husband. <laughs> yeah. 
Mr. Cooper's like so hell bent on like protecting his daughter in the basement, <laughs> and Ben's like, it's a shame the kid has a stupid father. Yeah, and it's like. Yeah, Mr. Cooper hasn't seen any zombie movies because the catatonic kid is the zombie. Usually. Usually. Yeah, when you see that, oh, I was injured. Yeah, which later we find out she is. And then they're just like, we don't know what's wrong with her. And the kid's unconscious. Yeah, they they do mention that the kid is injured. That's why the kid hasn't come up. But they don't say anything until later when Ben asks, how'd your kid get injured? So, again, this being the first time this type of movie is done, that must have been shocking when the kid rises. Right, because you don't expect it. Now I now, now it's like it. when they said, "Oh, the kid is sick." You're like, "It's a zombie. <laughs> yeah, it's a zombie it in the basement." <laughs> <laughs> put it to sleep forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out that the wife says is that uh, she says because she finds out basically that Ben and Mr. Cooper are fighting. She says, "Living together sucks, but dying together wouldn't do us any better." <laughs> <laughs> this, I feel so sorry for this woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. If I would things... also like to say that she looks like she's. 25, 30, and Mr. Cooper looked like he's, like, 60. Seen a life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, so after they have fought, she kind of asks him why they're staying in the cellar. And he tells her, like, yeah, well, I don't know. They've got food. They've got a radio. And she's like, they've got a radio? Why are we down here? What is your problem? And she's got more sense than he does. She really does. Because she's she's not worried about that alpha male bullshit. Yeah. So she's like, well, let's go up. And so then she tells Judy, Tom's girlfriend, to stay downstairs with the kid. And we get uh, everyone kind of coming upstairs. The wife is uh, smoking. She's talking to Barbara. Barbara tells her about Johnny and how she's lost her brother. Yeah, Mr. Cooper is kind of like unsettled with this whole situation. He hates that he's not in charge. And so he keeps pacing and is kind of like taking it out on everybody who talks to him. His wife is trying to sit down. And have a cigarette while she's talking to Barbara, and he's like, "Give me one of those," and smacks it out of her hands to get one too. And yeah. he, gives, he gives like horrible vibes. I hate this dude. For sure. uh, yeah, this character is terrible, and um, he reminds me a lot of this other character in Train to Busan. If you've seen that movie, you yes. probably know who I'm talking about. Oh man, I hate him so much. <laughs> there, this character, this type of character, exists in. A lot yeah, of it's movies. an. It's definitely an. Uh, like a stereotype. Archetype. archetype. A character archetype in these movies. Yeah, because there, later there's a tussle for the gun, and I'll, I'll talk about it then. Yeah. But it reminds me of another character in War of the Worlds as well. They So they turn on the TV, and this is where we finally get some more information. We do learn that the zombies are a result of radiation from a fallen satellite, like we mentioned earlier. And they are reviving the brains of the recently deceased the guy on tv i wanted to point out um he specifically states that us who are reporting this to you are in shock that this is actually happening like this is new to us and we're trying but to they're tell completely you. safe and chill yeah everyone in the back's got smiles they're typing away Everyone's they're just, just doing like their the job phone. one of them's like sitting on the desk just on the phone i was talking. like how are they safe <laughs> it's like it's because people got to get their media you know they're automatically safe Honestly, the way that this movie plays out with when they finally kind of get there and they're on the news, they're saying that everyone's being taken care of. The rest of the world seems like it's not very, like, in a panic like it is here at this house. Do you know what I mean? Like, like everything on TV, everything on the radio, like, talking about everything that's going on. very calm. But everything seems kind of chill. Even when they talk to the the military and the scientists later, they're all kind of just walking around. There's not really any, like, footage. You would think that the news would be like, look, there's people literally right there eating each other. Yeah. Like the, the And they're new, not. They're, they're like not. literally interviewing scientists and the scientist is like, Yeah, you gotta set your dead on fire within minutes and he's like Fifteen minutes what? specifically, I think he said. Within minutes we can't do a funeral and he's like, No, yeah, you just gotta set him on fire. Yeah, just make some uh, bonfires with your dead. 
He's get a cookout. Very chill about it. Yeah. Is is that when we also get the military guy and the the three the yeah, two scientists? Yeah, you do get a scene guy? where, and it's very like reminiscent of like <laughs> current times. I would say where it's unclear what they're saying. You have the scientist and the military. I even turned to you and was like, "Wait, well, who's the one who just said that?" Because I was pretty sure two seconds ago he said the opposite. Exactly. I think <laughs> they do that on purpose, and it's pretty funny because it seems like. The scientist is like, it's the military's fault. And the military is like, it's unclear if the military is responsible at this time. They and then he, they flip-flop. No, I don't think that they were saying it was the military's fault. They were saying that they had... So apparently, this is where I bring it back to the alien thing. This is maybe what, what was a tribute to um, Russo's original idea of aliens being involved. They said that a, a satellite that was sent past Venus carried radi- radiation that may be what has caused this phenomenon. And so the military guy is saying, no, it's not from space. And the scientist guy is like, no, yes, it definitely is from space. And then the military guy is like making like odd faces at the camera. And he's like, oh, no, I don't think that's what we're saying. And then later the scientist is like, oh, wait, no, yeah, it's not from space. And the military guy is like, no, it, it is. And it's so confusing because I was like, yes. wait, hold on. Didn't he just say that it is? Or Which isn't? I think is what makes the scene funny. And yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good um It's it's pretty long commentary. It's like just them going back and forth about yeah. it is or isn't. And again, they're able to interview the scientists and military officials outside, no worry of a zombie outbreak. Yeah. There's no like immediate danger. Yeah, in the in the background. So I think this is another typical trope in these movies where the protagonists have to leave safety because something that requires them. To survive is outside of safety. It's always the gas is empty of uh, the or sorry, the is truck em- is empty of gas. <laughs> <laughs> the gas is empty. It's like that we're running out of water or something. Like you got to go turn on the radiator. The keys for the car are in the shed. That's like yeah, a mile away. Yeah, you have for some to reason. do like some like <laughs> sacrificing to get this done. Yeah, puts you in danger. Otherwise, if they're just safe the whole movie, it's, there's no point in watching. Boring. The movie. Yeah. yeah. So they come up with a plan to go get gas from this uh, location that's a little bit away from the from the barn. And Tom knows where it is because he's from the area. I would also like to quickly make a note of Toga Zombie. Yes. Yeah, that we is get all. Toga Zombie. <laughs> well, we didn't even bring up earlier that the, we get our first scene, too, of like the creepiness of the undead where the lady grabs his bug off the tree and just like starts chomping it's on it. It's a pretty good scene, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you hear the crunch. Ugh. I don't know if she actually ate it, but it looks like it's moving for real. And I've eaten bugs before, have you? Uh, no. Are you talking about those bug lollipops? Yes. Yeah. There, at, there's, there was this place in Indiana called Fear Factor Candy. I don't know if it was like a big thing, but they sold bugs in different types they of They sell them at like a lot of the museums here too. Yeah. It's like chocolate covered ants, chocolate covered crickets. Yeah. The the lollipops are a little more unsettling because you're eating them slowly versus like you just eating it all the, at once. the creepy crawly part of it? No, because like think about a lollipop, it just gets worn down little by little. So like you're just getting like a piece of the bug at a time. Do you so know you what I mean? you can savor it. Yeah. Crunch on it, squish it a little bit. Um, but it, I mean, they look cool. So, but this lady eats one without chocolate on it. So, <laughs> pretty impressive. <laughs> but yeah, so so what you were saying was they come up with this. Yes. Essentially, um, they're gonna throw Molotov cocktails out the window. Yeah, because they know that they're afraid of fire. And while they're doing this, they're gonna run to the car to go to a pump to get some gas, so they can all drive away to safety. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we get this little in- intimate scene between Tom and Judy, where she's yeah. like kind of having doubts about the plan and she's like do we really need to do this can't we just stay here and 
and kind of waited out and tom's like no like this is our chance let's go and i feel bad for tom because tom's kind of like again the peacemaker in this situation he's kind of just trying to do what he can and follow the person who has like an obvious like sense of survival and obviously it's not mr cooper yeah and he's been with mr cooper to this point so when he finally finds ben i feel like it's like Tommy thank god was... someone else who makes sense yes so um because mr cooper treats tom like he's his worker i i thought when they got introduced later that the way that tom was talking to mr cooper mr. was like cooper it's was his mistreating son him or his, his like work employee yeah his employees the way he talks to him is like he like he owns them you know? yeah and uh so when tom just is makes talking mr to... cooper like more yeah shitty unlikable <laughs> so judy's trying to like ask tom like are you sure and so tom is like no we need to do this babe like let's go so we finally get them prepared right and mr cooper is being really really weird about this whole thing he's, he's not clearly gonna because it's them. ben's plan it's mm-hmm. not his plan so he's unsettled by it but he does it he starts throwing off the molotov cocktails off the roof and i pointed out that i would probably throw one at the car and set it on fire immediately you would throw this it at is, a ben's car he's just throwing them out the window i have terrible aim i think i would hit the car oh that you would hit the car personally accidentally i yeah. think on purpose i was like why would you do that? this car in particular <laughs> what's no. the plan like the car on fire got it. <laughs> right done <laughs> sorry guys. i mean it happens anyway but <laughs> honestly that might have been a better plan because it would have like attracted them to that no it would have repelled them because they don't like fire but no because uh earlier there was a scene where ben lights some stuff in front on fire and i mean it only kept them away so long before the well fire i think it's this next out. scene where they he set off the fire in the front lawn and Ben and Tom are running to the car. Mm-hmm. And then Judy last minute decides that... I'm going with them. She's going with them and doesn't want to. And, like, Mr. Cooper is so ready to slam the door behind her. And he does. And then... Yeah, and he's like, well, if you're going to come with, get in the damn car. Yeah, ben. Ben's like, make up your damn mind. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to do this, don't hesitate. Yeah, they finally drive away. And Ben's on the back with the torch. And he's, like, kind of warding them off. Baiting them away. With, batting with the them away with the fire. Yeah, so Mr. Cooper's watching from the house. They finally make it to that place. They get to the pump. And I I wrote down that everything that could have gone wrong goes wrong. Goes wrong immediately, which is like what's supposed to happen in these films. Yeah, they get there. They had in the house, there was a point where they're like, oh, I found some keys in the the cellar. So they grab the keys. And then it turns out that the keys aren't the keys for this chain or this lock. This pump. Then, you know, it's a gas pump. And Ben shoots it. Shoots it to shoot the, the lock off. And I'm like, I don't think that would shoot at the, I mean, Sure, in, in an emergency situation, you're going to do Why whatever. Not? Risk Wouldn't it all. Wouldn't it be better to, like, hit it with the brunt of the gun? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Have, have you tried doing that in real life? No, I'm not it's strong. Pretty, it's actually pretty hard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm just too weak, but it is pretty hard. He shoots the lock off, which could have gone wrong as well. Immediately. And then Tom, like an idiot, just pulls Just takes the all the gasoline and <laughs> runs it everywhere. <laughs> he, like, throws it all over the car, and the car lights on fire because Ben had put the torch on the floor to be able to shoot the lock. So then the car gets lit, and I don't know, I don't remember if you caught this or why Tom and Judy drive off without Ben. Do you remember that? They are trying to get it away from the pump because the pump's just going to make it explode quicker because yeah. it's leaking gasoline. Right, and the car And they drive up. off. <laughs> and then I thought this was kind of sad, but it, honestly, if Judy had stayed in the house, they both would have survived because... Because she gets stuck and Tom goes back to try to help oh, her. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And then the car goes up in flames. True that. And Ben's kind of like... Crap. Fuck. And yeah. then just runs back to the house. And Mr. Cooper's watching, probably Watching it all go to hell. It'd be like, I told you so, probably. Yeah. And um, we get this like really messed up scene. This is the first time that we actually, the audience, see... The cannibalism happened. Yeah, we see them getting a cookout. I, I thought it yeah, was interesting how they all, up. they all like approach the car with the meat and everything like that. Like if it, like politely, I don't know if you noticed that they all kind of like one by one take pieces. Take their turn. 
<laughs> and then they, they all go onto the lawn, do like a little picnic. You get the scene of the one girl eating the 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 food. There's like people pulling at some intestines, and it's yeah. the first gru- like super gruesome scene we see, other than the dead body and like the the, the bug eating yeah. and the chopped fingers. That was pretty interesting too. The chopped fingers when Tom's like cutting at the guy with his hand through the window. Oh yes. yeah, <laughs> which so, wasn't that gruesome. Uh, this it film is not very gruesome. I thought it was cool though the way it looks with the. I mean, the gruesome scene with the the dead bodies is fine too, but I think the way that he chops the fingers and you could see them slowly coming away. Yeah. I thought that was a cool effect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so you see the the picnic with the undead and... Interesting to think that they would eat like cooked meat. It's funny that yes, it's a <laughs> it's a messed up joke, right? But and it's like a joke that's made later when the officers arrive and they're like, somebody had themselves to cook out. Yeah. And I'm like, they're just as fucked up as the rest of them. They thought the same thing. But when they're actually eating it, it looks like they're eating raw meat. Yeah. And I was wondering if the actors actually had to eat like Maybe. raw meat. Uh, I was I was trying to pay attention to some of the stuff that they pulled away from that truck, and one of the guys looked like he had like a drumstick, almost like one of those big turkey legs you get from the Renaissance Fair. Yeah, it you know does I mean? look like that. So yeah, I mean, did, were you the one who told me about like the that human flesh tastes weird? It, it's from all these like other things we watch and listen to. The about podcast. How, like... Yeah, I personally haven't. <laughs> I I believe I don't know which podcast exactly I was listening to that said that, but apparently humans taste most like pigs. Mm. Because we are genetically most similar to pigs or something mm. like that. Is that monkey? Could be wrong. I don't, I don't know if people <laughs> eat monkey. Maybe somewhere. I'm sure somewhere they do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so they're they're eating their their burnt meat, and, and Ben's making his way back to the house. Mr. Cooper, is Mr. Cooper is like slamming the door uh, on him. He's like about to just run into the cellar and lock it, but then Ben's like, "Mr. He, Cooper," and he, he hesitates. Did, he did close the door on him though. He did, and Ben's like knocking, like, "Yo." open the door and he hesitates to go back mm-hmm. he does and then ben just ends up kicking the door down mm-hmm. and running in and honestly they they give each other this this stare. look this look of i know that you were gonna mr let me cooper die. looks cowardly in this because uh, ben enters and straight up is like dude i'm gonna you cowardly bitch you. yeah and mr cooper is kind of looking like fuck i was hoping you'd die yeah and he's definitely a weasel for sure yeah it's Interesting because his like alpha male persona is very much just hiding the fact that he's afraid the coward in this. Yeah, yeah. So Ben finally gets in. They close the door, and Mr. Cooper, for some reason, uh, helps him to kind of be like, "I'm sorry," and he's helping him board up the door again. But then when they finally seal the door, Ben turns around and just starts beating the crap out of Mr. well Cooper. deserved, yeah. honestly. He beats the crap out of him. He does. So they so they get their name, the ghouls, for the first time on the radio or the TV, and we also see that the people are saying that you should shoot the undead in the head. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time we realize, okay, shooting them in the body is not going to work. The brain is what act- is activated and that's what you need to shoot at. We get this interview with the local sheriff mm. and the local sheriff's like, I've rounded up a team of people who just have guns. We're making our way through the, the towns. Yeah, everyone's in the background shooting stuff, putting stuff on fire. This is very interesting thought right the like the, the civilians locals. are law here yeah no this. it's it's uh you would think that out in, in rural country too a lot of a lot of people do have weapons in their homes mm-hmm. so, you know I, I think about it because i have family in wisconsin we've thought about even like if we were to move out somewhere where like the houses are farther uh, space apart. apart and i've heard stories of coworkers who have places like that i mean when you have so much open land around you when you live so close like in the city or the suburban areas that there's enough people around to like 
if see what's goes going wrong. on. Yeah. But when you have so much space between places and so much chance to just be approached by someone random, you're probably going to want to defend yourself. So all these people have weapons, right? They do, and, and they've formed like a battalion of their own. Yeah, they, they formed their own battalion. But I also thought that it was interesting that in a rural place like this that you would get so many zombies all at once because everything is so far. Mm-hmm. What's attracting them to you? I imagine that the cities have been at this Protected. point wiped out actually and they're spreading hmm. now have they though because the this news movie hasn't is been... <laughs> not that clear because there's also this strange thing with these zombies that daylight and like fire is what kills them so how would they have the time to get to these rural areas yeah it would imply like i guess when ben was saying that they followed them to the house yeah so they know where they're going so they follow they're you. just following yeah, because it, I mean, even like with shows like The Walking Dead and things like that, I mean, there's so much space between everything when you're out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. that when I think of the undead, like in this case, there's no real fear factor. I think as long as you can outrun them and you get to the next safe spot and you can make sure that that place is cleared, you can see them from a mile away and escape them, right? Or is it like that thing that I told you about where humans are the scariest predators because, because they, they don't stop never stop. <laughs> I think it is, but also because I, you know, it says that they're slow, but also like Barbara drove away and that zombie was able to catch up with her still. I, I mean, I thought that was unrealistic too because she drives away and then she runs away and then you can see the zombie almost like Michael Myers style, just like yeah, still just, just chilling, walking. I guess. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I always think of. I mean, what do you think when you think of like if you were to put it, be put put yourself in a scenario like this? would you survive would you be able to outrun them would you in the scenario where like there's one that's just always following you you just kill it but when you're overwhelmed like with With 50 plus 20 plus 10 i mean even a couple because ben earlier uh and mr cooper are fighting about how these things have super strength and ben's like no man they're they're dumb i killed two of them and the third one outside or whatever and mr cooper's like they could flip a car and he's like ben's like any five guys can flip a car if there's enough of them then yes but then we're all like if we're really that worried about a ton of them killing us then maybe we should die right because there's so many i think the interesting thing about this movie is it kind of sets the precedent for all these things Mm -hmm. so it's set the standard for the slow zombie and are they intelligent are they not intelligent because now there's like so many interpretations of the zombie yeah yeah there's the ones that are not even not even dead they're just infected infected and, and then and there's, there's the, the fast that, zombie and oh, then there's... those are the ones i'd be afraid of yeah. <laughs> yeah well we'll talk about that when we get to things like 28 days later and stuff like that but yeah. those runners are the ones i'd be afraid of for sure yeah because that's i mean a slow zombie i mean you can fig- you have time to figure out how to kill it with a fast one that runs and has all the like stamina if not more of a yeah. person um i think the other thing that i guess before we continue that i think that uh, is always like a factor in these movies is that you should probably be more afraid of the people that you're with versus the ones oh that, that is a common thing afraid of yeah in all these films because mr cooper if it hadn't been because mr cooper was so problematic all of this might have been might have gone smoother if ben had found another person who had logic and was reasonable right. i mean even during the movie you asked me would i be with ben or mr cooper i was like i'd probably also side with ben because why, why would logical. you yeah like even if let's say i had this alpha male thing with like mr cooper where i'm like no i know what's going on i know what to do if you're logical and that person is clearly like clearly knows what to do better than you do you have to admit in a life in a life or death situation that they're probably going to help you and your family you have a wife and kid with you if they clearly know more even like his wife pointed out it's more important to be right it's like these um weird 
perceived notions of masculinity get in their way of survival. Yeah, and it's it's not. I think at that point, it's, I, mean, I, I don't know, I could talk about this survival stuff all day, but... So after they hear this broadcast that they can be killed with a shotgun to the head, Mr. Cooper is like eyeing Ben's gun constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I believe they're arguing over what to do next. And Ben finally asks like, well, what is wrong with your kid? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, one of the things grabbed her and bit her. And she's been unconscious ever since. And Ben's kind of like, what? We don't know if these things are infected. Yeah, he's like, we don't know what these things have got out there. Because I don't think it's been implied that biting is what kills them. Is what is what gets others but, infected. Yeah, not at but, all. This is the first time. Because I don't even know that um, that's ever clarified whether it's, it's due to infection. They just keep saying that the radiation from the satellite is what's causing the dead to come back to life. So there, I don't think it's ever implied or clarified that the bite itself is what made her get infected and also come undead, right? I think it's just the fact that she died from the bite and then she comes undead. That is why she turns. Never because she actually just got bitten. But Ben does say... We don't know. We don't know what those things have. They could have disease or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that's when the power goes out. Power Final. goes out and then... The zombies start coming from every direction. Yep. Cooper's trying to get Ben's gun at this point because they're flying through everything. And, like, shout out to Cooper's wife because she's trying to, like, keep them out when Cooper's, like, cowarding near the cellar door, Mm -hmm. like, worried about the gun. Everyone starts to help. Barbara even finally, like, snaps out of it. Finally wakes up, yeah. And that's when uh, I think Ben gets the gun knocked out of his hands. It falls to the ground and Cooper jumps for it. And is like, ha, I have the gun now and I'm in control. And he tells Helen to go down to the cellar and Helen's kind of like, what the fuck? And Ben and Cooper battle it Struggle out. For and the this gun. is this part where I was going to say that it reminds me of in War of the Worlds. There's a scene where they have to be quiet because the aliens are in the house. And the guy who's been helping uh, Tom Cruise's character and his daughter... He kind of like brings them in and is like, hey, I'm in the cellar and I'm protecting you guys. He kind of like doesn't want Tom Cruise to do anything that isn't what he says. And he's like, I'm going to kill them. and I'm going to go out there. And, and Tom's like, no, uh, we need to be quiet. And so the guy's like trying to be like chaotic and go out there and shoot the aliens. And Tom and that guy have this like silent battle for the gun. And this is kind of what this reminded me of is that the, the, you get the crazy person and you get the sane person fighting to survive in the middle of this like impending yeah, doom seriously unnecessary yeah the last thing you would want to do in the part where your shelter All fighting for your life your shelter have a power is being struggle? destroyed yeah power struggle in the middle of it like no man so he finally does take the gun from mr cooper again and he shoots him he shoots him he shoots mr cooper and mr cooper's like surprised and starts Which falling down the stairs <laughs> he really shouldn't be surprised because he deserves it oh honestly yeah um, even his wife's kind of like yeah <laughs> sounds about right what you get so barbara has tried to help helen at this point yeah. not get because helen and after cold. helen um sees that he gets shot um she runs down to check on her daughter because mm-hmm. he's like falling down the stairs essentially. He- Helen runs down to check on the daughter and then it's overpowering and there's too many zombies and finally we see Johnny, Barbara's brother, come back and he's like, "Hey, I'm here for you cuz you left me in the graveyard." Mm-hmm. And she's just kind of like in shock and is taken by him but then swarmed by all these zombies. Yeah, he almost looks normal too. The way he kind of just comes yeah, out. Again, from the they just like um put like crazy dark circles under them yeah but i think it's cool that she opens the door and that's the thing she sees it's almost like she's been in shock this whole time and then it finally kind of just consumes her it becomes full circle yeah Yeah. in the basement karen has waken up and is eating the dead body of her Mm -hmm. father yeah we got a child eating a a body which is pretty cool i'm pretty sure it was pretty shocking at the time Mm -hmm. and her mom sees that and then karen for some reason this is smart undead 
again, the smart undead. She grabs like a little pick shovel type thing and starts stabbing her mother repeatedly. So many times. Excessively. <laughs> and I'm like. She's like, I'm tired of y'all fighting all the damn time. I'm yeah. just going to keep stabbing you. Wait, I'm dead? Oh, yeah. I don't think it's ever implied that she eats. Her mother. No, because later... She just stabs her. Yeah, later Ben finds her just stabbed. Just stabbed in the corner. Eaten. Yeah, I wonder what I wonder what the implications were of that, too. Because I did point out, I was like, why did we get this like random slasher se- like section in the movie out of nowhere? Yeah, It's bloody, there's like splashing everywhere. You get the shadow of the kids, continuous stabbing and stabbing and stabbing, and it's just so weird that this is yeah. what we get from an undead person, is like a murderous stabbing versus just eating them. Yeah. Yeah. It is very different considering this is like the first of its genre and you're used to just the main eat. drive of the zombie is to eat. But this child just murdered its mother and didn't eat. No. So like <laughs> what's actually going on with them? And eventually she, uh, the kid makes her way up the stairs while Ben is being mm-hmm. like. Ben's overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by all that's happening. Yeah, he's alone now. Yeah, he's alone now. He doesn't fully know that yet because he's um able to shake off the kid that's coming up from behind the cellar and uh lock himself in do you think it's ironic that at the end of the day he still ended up in the cellar yeah i would say so but it was because of mr cooper i think at the end of the day but mr cooper wasn't alive to be like i'm gonna rub it in your face my favorite thing is that he's like oh kind of getting him to be a zombie and <laughs> yeah. he shoots him right away like no you're not even cool enough to be a zombie i think the way get that... your ass back down so ben's locked in the cellar the zombies are are in the house and i thought it was weird that the way that they show this scene because i understand the zombies that are like attacking the cellar door but there's like zombies in the background that are just like knocking frames off the wall and there's one that's like pushing a cabinet like back and forth and They're it's just, just like the chaos because it seems like such a random scene they probably told all the actors to just do whatever make sounds well and that's things. interesting right because there's no point of reference for these actors they're just telling them, pretend you're undead pretend you're undead and what does that look like to you <laughs> So Ben's the only one that's left alive in the house. It's morning next day and we get the sheriff that was on TV. And all the people with their guns. And all the people with their and guns. And a helicopter. And they're coming up on this house and um, they are shooting their zo- the zombies on the way there, clearing the area. That's when we get the tasteless joke of the cookout. Mm-hmm. It's so- It happens so quick. Ben's realizing this because he hears everything and he's coming up the cellar. He takes a look outside. He sees them in the distance. These guys are approaching the house. The one guy tells the sheriff, he's like, hey, I think I see movement inside the house. So they don't even see ben really no as as ben is they don't talk to him they don't they shoot first ask questions later but right before this they're walking through a field like very insensitive they're just like they just literally see people in the distance and are just like fire shoot them whatever and they don't like know if they're know if they're dead they just are shooting them yeah they're shooting anything that walks and the, the way that ben gets spoiler alert shot through the window is because they're like oh we see movement shoot it like they don't even know if it's a person they can just yeah. Be somebody walking my, around the house. My note, I wrote that it was like, it's also cold and calculated. They're not looking to see if no, they're anyone just has trigger survived because they're like drunk on power. But they are the ones that have been able to drive these things away. Mm-hmm. This trigger happiness is, is like unsettling. In, in a real life situation, ben. I don't imagine this would be far from what, what would actually happen. People just ready to just kill anything. Oh, no, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, scary. <laughs> Again, the humans are scarier than the undead. And I think that's always the point in these zombie movies. Do you have that fun fact for me? I do. So although Ben, our hero, is killed, apparently Dwayne Jones, who's the actor who plays Ben, didn't want there to be a happy ending. He thought it would be more impacting to the audience and the black community specifically that since heroes never die in American movies and the hero is black, he thought it was a double-barreled whammy that would impact the audience he was watching. He's not wrong. Yeah. 
I mean, I get why it ended the way it did. Like you said, it's a reflection of how people truly would act mm-hmm. if this were to happen. And then we get like the unsettling photos of where they're just dragging out his dead body. And it's unsettling to the audience because the audience knows that he was literally alive. Uh, and I think it adds more. This. What I was going to say is you get you get a crappier feeling because he is a black man and he's being kind of carried around by these like trigger happy people. And the way they're carrying out the dead is so like with, with hook meat meats. hooks. Oh, hook meats. Hook meats. <laughs> <laughs> meat hooks. Yeah, it's a it's so dehumanizing. The whole sequence is just how they're just grabbing him with these meat hooks. Yes. Throwing and then the, the very final scene is like them just setting it all on fire. Yeah. And it's kind of like, what was this struggle even for? Pissed. So what would you rate this movie? I would give this movie a 9.5 out of 10. That's pretty high. Because it, it's good. It holds up for being a movie that was from 1968. And even though it's old and it's, it's kind of depressing, but it holds so much relevance to our current culture. <laughs> it's kind of fucked. It's one of those movies that although it was filmed in 1968, the premise of the problems in the movie of the Are undead of the of the crazy guy who's trying to protect his family, like even the end where you have trigger happy people, it's all stuff that if you were to make the exact same movie with today's technology, exactly the same way it's done, it wouldn't matter. Whether it was 1968 or today, it's a movie that still stands as being current. But what would you rate it? Something similar. I'd rate it nine, nine and a half, two. Because I, I, like I said, I love zombie movies. But mm-hmm. like I said, it still stands. I think all the tropes that I like in a zombie movie are present in this. There are some confusing things, like the whole like radiation from space is what caused it. Kind of. Yeah, thing. some parts are not clear, but, but that's not the point. <laughs> no, it's not the point. I think Ben's an awesome character. I think he's someone that if I was in the house, I would follow too, right? I yeah, told you Mr. Cooper is like, a true villain in Mr. all of Cooper. this. Yeah, Tom, I, I was rooting for Tom. but You just you feel know. sad for him and Judy. Yeah, so do you want to talk about what scared Loki this week? Sure. Similar to Halloween, Halloween the dog noise. barking is what set him off. But it was all of it. The helicopters. Yeah, the whole commotion at the end he didn't appreciate. I think the helicopters actually scared him more than the dogs on screen. Loki, you want to tell us about it? All right. I'm sorry that scared you. <laughs> One thing I want to point out too before we move on is that when we did get our first scene of all the zombies eating uh, the humans from the car, Loki went and grabbed his bone. He's like, good idea, guys. It's a <laughs> snack break time. Yeah. As always, we hope you guys had a good time here. We actually have some socials. We have Instagram now, so you could follow us at Pod on Instagram. Our Gmail is shakenotscaredpod at gmail.com. We're working on getting a Facebook. But yeah, if you want to reach us on there, if you have an Apple account or listen to us on iTunes, rate and review us. And yeah, I think that's all from us this week. Yeah, you can find us anywhere where you listen to podcasts, really. So make sure to follow. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye.